Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 49 of Pigskins and Nylon, presented by TabEase.com, the best Delta edible on the market. I'm Wally Lukashensky, and I'm joined as always today by my good friends and co host, Casey Mock and Hayden Ramsey. Let's say hello to the boys. And yesterday was actually Casey's birthday. So I know all of you at home joined Hayden and I in hoping that Casey had a very special birthday. Let's hear about your new year and your birthday first, buddy, and then we'll go to Hayden. Yeah, I had a pretty good new year. Uh, you know, I hope everyone else did too. Uh, birthday was awesome. It was actually my first day back to work. I had tested positive for COVID last week and work was really nice. It was really easy. And then we actually had a taste testing at our wedding venue. Lauren's mom, her two sisters, and then my mom were able to come down and join us. You know, ate a lot of really good food and was just a really nice couple hours. So yeah, it was, it was a really good birthday and hope had a great day today. Hopefully I have another one tomorrow going into the weekend. Glad that you're feeling better too. And I wish that you got to milk it one extra day for your birthday, but it's probably good to kind of get back in the flow of things too. So that's good to hear. Yeah, real quick. So I actually did milk it one day. I was supposed to return to work on Tuesday and milked it and went went to work on, on Wednesday. I was feeling symptomatic still. Yeah, I know. And the symptoms always what transcend to the left eye moving down a couple times there. So I understand that completely. And Hayden, know that you, I guess, got your own basketball thing going again. Now you're back at school as well. How are you reacclimating yourself to the new year in the school? I am watching Malachi Bran- Branham become a star in front of my eyes. So that's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, yesterday, uh, everybody probably knows that I had my second sleep study, and I had the best night of sleep that I've had in probably three years or longer. It was absolutely amazing. Like this is what normal people feel like when they wake up. I feel like a whole new person. So that's that's really really cool. But I, we got a game tomorrow. It's our first game in probably over. At least a week. It's been a it's been a long time since our last game, so it'll be good to get the rust off and get going. Absolutely, good to hear that you're also back, and I'm kind of interested in the sleep study too. That's pretty awesome. Uh, hopefully that you get that, especially with the kid coming along. Need to get a little extra sleep or a little beauty sleep for you. You need plenty of that. But on my end, I guessed for New Year. I just uh, I went to a buddy's house. We watched all the games for New Year's Six. That was a lot of fun those two days, and now. It's basically basketball season exclusively for us now, Big Ten being done with all their bowl games, and we'll get into that here in a moment. But what do you guys say that we start off today instead of going into uh, – actually, you know what? We'll do your recruiting for corner first here, Casey, but then right after that, we just do a quick run-through, kind of like we do of our basketball recap of the college football bowl games, and then just say anything you want to say about any of those teams' performances or anything you want to add to those games that this last week we got seen. Malachi Branham is a star! Oh my gosh, alright then. Well, <laughs> heading into uh, Casey's recruiting corner, uh, a pretty big week for one team in particular in the Big Ten this week, and no surprise it was for the Ohio State Buckeyes. They landed a, a really elite, high four-star defensive end, Hayden, I might butcher this name, so you might need to help me out. Amario Abor? I don't know. How do you pronounce that last name? I'm pretty sure it's Aber. A- Aber? Okay. The O is what, Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He's out of the state of Texas. Actually, more specifically, Duncanville. It's a, it's a powerhouse down there that consistently 
produces Division One talent. He's got great size for a defensive end, so a really big-time get for Ohio State. They also won the battle for Carson Hinsman, who's from the state of Wisconsin, and, and really up until, I don't know, later in the season, really looked like he was leaning more Wisconsin, but Ohio State ended up winning that battle. He's an interior offensive lineman and looks like a guy that's – not going to say he could start right away, but he, you know, as a redshirt freshman, sophomore, he, he might, you might see him on the field. In the class of 2023, Ohio State lands a nice four star safety, Cedric Hawkins from the state of Florida. And then the only other commit in the 2023 rankings was Penn State adding a four star defensive end. I think that's Neo Avery from Maryland. But just just sort of wanted to mention the transfer portal here for a minute. I don't know if we we're going to get into that or not, but I know we've talked about it plenty of times on the show. But this is really the first offseason with the new NIL stuff combined with the new transfer rules where you can transfer one time without sitting out. So as you can imagine, there are plenty of athletes throughout all sorts of programs, including you know the Big Ten Conference, that are losing a lot of guys. But there are also a lot of there's a lot of intrigue on guys coming to Big Ten programs. So there are plenty of transfer commits within the past couple of weeks, too. And a lot of guys transferring out. I'm not going to go ahead and list them all. But uh, two that really stood out to me were two major needs throughout the Big Ten Conference. Ohio State landed a, a four-star transfer-rated cornerback from Oklahoma State. I didn't catch his name. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't write that down. But that, that addresses a major need for Ohio State. And what I've seen, too, and, and just – for the, for the listeners, I guess, what I've seen with these new transfer ratings to be a four star is basically being a borderline five star in the nat, in like the actual high school recruiting rankings. So if you earn a four star rating in the transfer portal, which they came out with recently, that's a really big pickup. And then Indiana found themselves what looks like to be their, their starting quarterback next year, four star transfer rated quarterback Connor. I'm going to butcher this, Bazalik. I don't know, is coming coming over from Missouri. He played played a lot at Missouri and really had a decent year this past year. So, you know, we all saw how much Indiana struggled at the quarterback position this past year. So hopefully he can come in and provide a spark for him. Yeah, that that's it. Uh, I did just see that Michigan State landed, a, a, I think it's 2023 basketball recruit. But, you know, basketball recruits are, uh, what am I trying to say? They are, I, I don't even know. Yeah, Michigan State landed a 2023 guy. And, Good for them. Also, Ohio State is going to get another commit on Sunday. No, Saturday with the, I think it's the All-American Bowl. Just FYI. I have a couple of little notes I just wanted to throw in there off of what you were saying, Casey. First of all, just as what, I guess anytime you can get in a Wisconsin offensive lineman that Wisconsin's going after out of that state, it's a big deal. So finally, a little bit of positivity from Ohio State in terms of the offensive line. So that was good to see. And then going on to the transfer portal, I'm glad you brought that up. A couple notes that I wanted to write down here. Eastern Michigan is even offering a million dollars of NIL money, or not them specifically, but they have a company that's trying to offer money upwards of seven figures to get a high-profile player there as well. So it's just kind of really speaking to what, I guess, this new time in day and age we're in now with the transfer portal and NILs and it's crazy, and I, you know, I didn't write down that safety's name coming from Oklahoma State to Ohio State either, Casey. I kind of feel bad about that now. It's Tanner McAllister. Tanner McAllister, there you go. 126 tackles, or at least that's what I think I, it was, at Oklahoma State at, in the secondary. You have a guy coming in, obviously already knowing Noel's defense. It's a really fun, immediate fit for Ohio State fans, especially with how bad that defense is. 
And then one last or a couple little things, and then I'll be done talking here. It's nice that we get to finally say something nice about Indiana football. So to have somebody coming in after how low of a year that is, even if it's a marginal improvement, it can't get worse. So good for Indiana football. And I want to ask you, Casey, you brought up the four stars and the rating for all that in the transfer portal. Have we ever seen a five? Like, What would a five star in the transfer portal look like? There have been three five-star transfer portal players that I, I've i seen and off the top of my head that I can remember. Quinn Ewers was one. I mean, I think it's unrealistic to drop him below a five-star when, you know, realistically he should have been a five-star in this next recruiting class too. So he was a five-star. Caleb Williams, who just ant- entered the transfer portal this past week, is a five-star. And then, you know, the guy that Ohio State passed up on, Eli Ricks, was a five-star cornerback that went to Alabama. Tell me how Quinn Ewers is a five-star, but Justin Fields wasn't in the transfer portal. How does that make any sense? I mean, I I think the only reason would be that Quinn Ewers is like, literally should be a senior in high school still. I, and he I, has a I, mullet. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Not not trying to play devil's advocate too much for it either, but we did, what, see Justin Fields a couple times, even in that what, an SEC championship game, and I know that wasn't fair to him, but it didn't look exactly great there, so that's the only thing I can think of is that that little bit of performance in a high-profile game really brought him down. What do you guys say now? We actually switch on over and just do a quick little college football bowl wrap-up. Just I'm going to read through these scores, and right after, any key takeaways, moments you guys want to talk about, we can go into a little bit more depth. Then we can get into our grades for the year and then get on to the basketball side of things. First of all, we had the opening. I'm just going to go in chronological order. I feel like that's going to make this the most sense here. So, guaranteed rate ball was first. Minnesota beat West Virginia 18-6. New Era Pinstripe Bowl followed the following day. Maryland beat Virginia Tech 54-10. Music City Bowl followed that. Purdue beat Tennessee in a thriller 48-45 in overtime. I'm sure we'll want to talk about that one a little bit more. The Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. The Michigan State Spartans beat Pitt 31 to 21 on a late score and a pick six. Make that look a little bit less close. Then the Las Vegas Bowl, Wisconsin at this point getting a Big Ten to 5 0. They beat Arizona State 20 to 13, which regrettably sends us into the, the, the lesser of the, the games here where Rutgers very, I guess, stoically took on the taxpayer Gator Bowl in a game that they knew that they were going to get blown out. They did. But credit to them for going, but that was Big Ten's first loss. They lose thirty-eight to ten to Ru- or to Wake Forest, excuse me. Then you had the Outback Bowl, and regrettably, or I guess however you want to view it, it's not the Cajun Shrimp, but the Bloomin' Onion one, the SEC one with Arkansas twenty-four to ten. Then the Verbo Citrus Bowl, you had Kentucky beat Iowa twenty to seventeen. The Rose Bowl. Ohio State beat Utah 48-45. to That was another thrilling game to watch. And then, regrettably, for Big Ten fans, or depending on who you ask, the college football semifinal, the Orange Bowl, Georgia beat up on Michigan pretty good, 34-11, to ending a pretty special year in Ann Arbor. So, Hayden, we'll go to you first on this one. Key takeaways, I know you're going to want to talk about the Rose Bowl, but before we get into that, do you have any other games, anything that you want to really touch on here? Yeah, I I actually thought that the bowl season was fairly successful for the Big Ten. Um, there was a couple games that obviously 
I wish it had gone the other way, particularly the, the Iowa game. They they had a chance to win that one. That would have been a nice win for the Big Ten. Penn State, that game, just it's the same old, same old with them this year. Their defense is good, but they just couldn't really get anything going offensively, so that kind of hurt them there. But other than that, it was it was nice to see Maryland, you know, got a big win. That was that I think that was big for the conference. Michigan State beating Pitt, you know, that both teams were down their best player. I think that was a really big win. Minnesota beating West Virginia, that was uh, I mean, even though that game was boring as shit, that was that that was a solid win for the conference. So I, I think there was actually a lot of positives, even though like the high profile game with Michigan didn't go as planned, I guess. But other than that, I, I thought it was a pretty successful bowl season. Yeah, I mean, we really couldn't have started out any hotter. I, I mean, when you win the first five bowl games, and we knew what Rutgers was going to do. But overall, yes, successful. But, man, I was, dis- I was really disappointed in teams like Penn State and Michigan. I had a lot more faith in both of them. I thought they would both come out, uh, you know, come out firing really. And, and Michigan got smacked in the mouth and Penn State didn't really look very motivated. So disappointed in there. And then, I, you know, obviously disappointed in my Iowa Hawkeyes as well. I'm pretty sure I, I finished in third place because of Wally putting so many units on that. But yeah, overall, I would say it was pretty successful as well. See, I got lucky too because that final drive there for Kentucky really could have buried me. I, I would have, I might have to go back and just see what would have changed had that game gone a different way. Because even the three units that we all pushed on, or at least I pushed on for the spread, that could have been big one way or another, and it wasn't. We'll get into that here, Hayden, too, about you winning your the bowl or not the bowl, but the college football pick him, which regrettably for Casey and I means that we owe you a case of beer. But we'll get into that after here. A couple notes for me. Yeah, I, first of all, this really was a story of two kind of Big Ten bowl seasons. The first half was awesome for the quote-unquote lesser teams beating up on lesser opponents. And I think you can almost look at this and think of the Big Ten, uh, or at least draw some good conclusions where it's a very deep conference, deeper than almost anybody else in the entire country, but we're still lacking that at the very top. That oh, the, the Ohio State's, Michigan's, they're able to compete and beat most teams in the country, but when right now you put them in the top five, top six, I don't know how many teams you'd realistically be winning. couple positive notes, though. Purdue, I mean, winning effectively a road game the way they did and how crazy that final five minutes of that regular, or I guess regulation was, was awesome to see. That didn't feel like a game that was going to go their way. But then you have Wisconsin then winning a football game very much like they do. They finished the game on an 18-play 9 minute 57 drive that only ended because the game ended. And that's just so fitting of what this team is and what they've been forever. Credit to them for getting back over the hump. But yeah, the the last couple days we'll, we'll get into more depth here now, but like Arkansas beating up on Penn State. At what point do we have to just stop making excuses for Penn State? I mean, they've only had two wins in their final 8 games of the year and they came against Rutgers and Maryland. I, I mean, Penn State, it was almost as much of a failure at the top end of the Big Ten as we got to see from like teams like Indiana falling as far down as they did. Do you guys have anything else before we get into the Ohio State-Michigan game a little bit more? Michigan State covered the spread on a pick six to end the game. Yeah, they did. And credit to that defense, too, because I know they're going against a backup quarterback, but they were playing bend-don't-break almost to perfection in that game, so... Good for Michigan State. That's a really big win for that program. 
But let's now go into the Rose Bowl here. Hayden, we'll throw it to you first. Jackson Smith and Jigba, C.J. Stroud, massive days. Record-breaking days, not only for the Big Ten, not only for their respective Rose Bowl, but for bowl games in general. How do you feel when you leave this game? We did win a thrilling game, but the defense kind of looked like we've been talking about all year. Uh, that first half, I felt disgusting. I had to take a shower at halftime. That was that was brutal, dude. That that horrible. I think I have a hot take, maybe, and I don't know if it's if it's true or what you guys think, but and maybe I'm just like prisoner of the moment. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is better than Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and I don't know if that's a hot take or not. If it's just coming off of the the Rose Bowl, but he also has a track record that when he's by himself, look at the Nebraska game. He went bananas in that game too. So I don't know. I, he's incredible. I think CJ Stroud, the transformation that he's made this year, I think is fantastic. I mean, he took a huge step forward. I think he was making some throws in that Rose Bowl that were great. Everybody knows the offense is good, whatever. Defensively, that was, that was horrible. I mean, Utah was doing pretty much kind of what we thought. I mean, they were, physical and they ran the ball and they came out in two and three tight end sets and they ran the ball and that quarterback was I don't I don't know that he was he kind of reminded me of JC Barrett like bouncing off dudes and just running and he took a beating but he had a heck of a game and unfortunately for him he got hurt at the end so that was one of the most thrilling games I've watched Ohio State in I think that game was really incredible uh that and the Penn State game a couple years ago was top of my list I think it's a game that we're going to revisit and love to rewatch for years to come. It's only sullied by the fact that what it was kind of marred by the expectations we had in the year and the way the defense played. I, I think that part leaves a sour taste in your mouth, but it's outstanding to see guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba and maybe Casey disagrees, but I don't think that was honestly that hot of a take. I do think that he's shown that he's, I mean, he's special, like genuinely special and, it's that, what's the Leonardo DiCaprio, that little meme that people use, the sitting on the couch and pointing. Nebraska fans had to be so happy that someone else kind of got exposed like this because they're like, no one else outside of like, you know, the top end people that really focus on college football or watch Ohio State a lot really knew a lot about this kid. So to see him kind of have his coming out party on one of the biggest stages in college football in the Rose Bowl, it's awesome for him. And it, kind of gets you really fired up about 2022. Yeah, and hey, I don't think it is that hot of a take either because, I mean, you can just look statistically, he had a better year than what the, what those two did. And I and I know that Olave missed a game t- and Wilson, I, I don't know. I know that JSM was like the only one to play all, all the games or whatever. But, you know, he he's very deceiving. He doesn't look like he's running very fast, but he pulls away from people. So it, it's kind of crazy. But as far as the Rose Bowl, man, you could – I mean, you guys said it best. You could take it one way or the other. You could be really excited about the offense, but that's a that's a Utah team that isn't known for and didn't really put up the, the great numbers that I get, I don't think you'd ever be satisfied with giving up 45 points. But to, to this Utah team, I, I really don't think that that was a great performance at all. You know, we'll get into the their season as a whole, but you, know, you could also look at it from the perspective that, you know, it took a – a bowl game record for your quarterback and receiver to beat a team like Utah, which typically you would think Ohio State would run away from. So I don't know. There, there, there are plenty of highs and lows you can take away, but you know, ultimately it should get Ohio State fans excited about the the Heisman race next year for sure. 
Jim Knowles better be the savior. Let's hope he is. It, the, the last thing until we throw it into the semifinal, I just thought it was really perfectly fitting that Noah Ruggles finished the game after how great he was all year. When you knew that he was kicking there, was there any doubt in your mind that that kick was going to go in? Because that was like turn the TV off mode, like game over. Yeah, it was very fitting. Noah Ruggles, here's my hot take, was Ohio State's best player all year long. He was the most consistent and he was clutch, and he was accurate. He was just so darn good. But, hey, I forgot to mention this when you guys gave me the floor here. Hayden, I could not get it out of my head. The line that you said, I think it was after the, the Michigan-Ohio State game, where you you said Ryan Day has this team playing like a Big 12 team. And I could not get that out of my head when I was watching that Rose Bowl game. That's exactly it. Like, it felt like watching – Texas it's sad, isn't it? Sad. A big game. So uh, uh, that just, I, I couldn't get that out of my head, and I wanted to make sure that, man, that was so accurate. That that was the best way to put Ohio State's last two performances in my eyes, I guess. And we'll get in more when we go into our grading. Hopefully Jim Knowles, for Buckeye fans at least, can make a difference because Big 12 is not going to get it done at the what national the, level. That dude, That dude's ripping cigars, so I already have 100% confidence in him. Oh, I love it. I love it. But all right, let's go over to the semifinal game now. Georgia beat up on Michigan. They were actually up 27 to 3 at half. Casey, we'll go to you first here. What do you, I guess, make of this game? Is it kind of just that right now the top teams in the Big Ten can't compete at this level, or what's going on? It's tough because you see the final score, and 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 yeah, you look at the stats. Michigan got got smacked in the mouth. I mean, Georgia had 521 yards of offense to Michigan's 328. But I just felt like Michigan couldn't get out of their own way. They couldn't get off the field on third down. And so that that cost them. Not only to mention, the, the game was closer than what the score was. The whole Does that make sense And what the final score was? Michigan had three turnovers, three costly turnovers. They had turned the ball over twice on downs. And that leads to points. I mean, that... Do I think Georgia's 23 points better than Michigan? No, but, you know, now I can see why the spread was seven and a half and didn't budge. But, you know, overall, this was not Michigan's best game. It was by far their worst game. You know, Harbaugh choked in a big moment. We, Everyone, I guess some people thought he was taking a big step forward this year. That proved to be wrong with this game. They were just totally outmatched in the trenches and, and to be honest with you, coaching – but the the final thing that I guess I wanted to touch on is Michigan had weird plays. So that big touchdown throw that Stetson Bennett had going up the right sideline where Vincent Gray just stopped out of nowhere. He was in coverage to the guy and just stopped out of nowhere. The guy gained a step and a half on him and he caught it ready for a touchdown. I had no I thought my TV glitched. I had no idea what was going on. But it just seemed like weird stuff like that was happening all game long, along with getting smacked in the mouth. It was just a really bad combination, really a bad night for, for Michigan fans. Aiden, we'll go to you now. The running backs, I mean, going into this game, it's like Casey said, I mean, the spread was a little deceiving because we knew that Michigan, if they were going to win this game, they had to jump up early. We just didn't realize that Georgia, if they did, they'd be able to run away like they were. What did you make of this? Was this more on coaching, personnel, or, or something else? I sarcastically texted Casey after the game and said, so are Georgia's running backs better? <laughs> and that was me being a smartass because I said it in the pregame. But I, I think the larger point to this is just how big of a recruiting gap that 
some teams have with other top-tier teams. You know what I'm saying? Georgia proves it every single year by signing these classes that are absolutely unbelievable. And Michigan just doesn't recruit to that level. That's not saying they're not good, but they just don't recruit the depth that Georgia has. And, and like Casey said, that really shows in the trenches. And I think that was probably one of the biggest mismatches of the game the whole way. Yes, Georgia has great athletes at running back, and they have a good receiving core and everything like that. But the trenches, I, I think, were the most disappointing part for Michigan. And it just shows that the gap, and, and maybe as a, a selfish Ohio State fan, you know, with the way Ohio State recruits, watching that game, that's how Ohio Ohio State should play Michigan. That's how Ohio State should beat Michigan. Just with how they recruit, they recruit similar levels. So Michigan has a ways to go. Oh, but, you know, great season. I mean, honestly, winning the Big Ten, beating Ohio State, doing all, all of those things, disappointing end, but a great season overall. And, and it's something that Michigan fans hopefully can look forward to next year. And you said it right there. This really doesn't devalue the season. I, I think that it's natural to have that feeling the, the with the most recent game at the end of the year is how you really take away on the team. But this is still a Michigan team that did a lot of great things this year. They're going to hopefully, for their sake, build on this. But to me, it was a lot on coaching too. I mean, I know you fell behind early in this game. You still, what you're built on, you have to run the ball. It does not matter how far you like fall behind between their three-headed monster and the running backs. They had 16 carries. That's not going to get it done. I don't care if you fall behind 28-0 in the first quarter. That's who you are. You have to run the ball. They weren't going to win this game turning it into the Cade McNamara show, and that's kind of what it looked like they were trying to do once they fell behind and kind of fell out of character a little bit. And I guess you have to tip your cap to George on Stetson Bennett. We thought these two were comparable going in, and maybe they still are, but Stetson Bennett showed up on the big stage and had an outstanding game, and there's not a lot to say. It was just truly, it was an ass-kicking. Georgia stayed with what they were doing, and Michigan got away from it, and I really think that that's where this game kind of separated itself on the scoreboard. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. You know, I I didn't mention that when I was Hassan Haskins had nine carries. That's just absolutely crazy. You know, the three-headed monster had 16, like you said, Wally. And really, their averages weren't that bad. They were all right around four. I know they each busted one that was a little bit longer. But anytime you can average, four, you know, four yards a carry, and I, I don't know. They just got away from it. And, you know, McNamara played terrible. He threw two picks. So, like you said, there's not, there's not too much more to say on this game. Well, our big, big picture question. You beat me to it. I can feel it. Is <laughs> who is Michigan's quarterback next year, and why should it be JJ McCarthy? I have it. You've written, in my head, Hayden. I literally have it written down, McCarthy, right there. That's go ahead, Casey. But I'm glad that you were on the same wavelength. I, I do think it's going to be McCarthy starting next year for Michigan, and I, I, the the first and easiest answer to give is that you know, he's the more talented quarterback. He's got the better arm. He's got, he's a better athlete. So there, there lies, you know, reason number one, but number two, this was the first time Michigan trailed all season long, obviously best defense that they faced all year long too, but McNamara did not prove to, I mean, I don't know how he would have proved it to anybody with his performance, but he did not prove to me that he is somebody that you can rely on to, and when your running game isn't working to to take you 
and, and lead you to a victory. So I thought McCarthy came in and played all right, but you know he didn't turn the ball over. So that's the big thing: the how you perform in the key games and the biggest games when the team is relying on you. Like M- McNamara, Michigan didn't rely on him against Ohio State. They ran the ball for three hundred yards. So that doesn't like I'm not putting that big win on McNamara. You know what I'm saying? So what when the when the team needs you to step up can you do it and McNamara didn't do it I agree it's got to be McCarthy and I just would say that don't do what everybody wants to do in the world to the people at home don't do the what if game about if McCarthy came in earlier in the year because this was a very magical year for Michigan use it as a building block he will be the guy going next year and you can use this if anything as a way to kind of catapult that program even further be like hey this wasn't even the best guy on our roster right now. He was developing. Come here. It's about to be a special few years. So don't panic if you're a Michigan fan over this. Huge year. Awesome. And we'll get into grades right now, too, where we'll be able to do this a little bit. I figure if you guys are cool with it, we do more of a bang-bang, more of like the PTAI final minute where we do 20 seconds each, give a grade, and reason for it. And then that way we can breeze through the 14 teams here. So anyways, we'll start with Illinois. We're going simply in alphabetical order for this. They went 5-7 and seven this year, 4-5 and five in conference. Casey, we'll go to you first for a grade for Illinois. What do you have? Yeah, I, I thought Illinois had a decent season. They, they obviously had a big-time win against Penn State. Lost some games that I thought they wouldn't. So overall, you know, I thought Bielema is really establishing the kind of culture and the kind of uh, style he wants to play very well at Illinois. So... I see what you got. I, I would give him a B for, for what Illinois is. I'd give him a B. I think I'm also going to give them a B. You know, they had that big win against Penn State. But the reason, and maybe my grading's kind of funky, I don't know. I think you have a lot of optimism around Illinois, much more so than what you've had in the past. And I think that plays a role into the grade that I give them. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, what, they won five games. That's not spectacular. But for what Illinois is or has been and what they're trying to become, I think that's a pretty fair grade. We're going big baller brand here. We're going to all three Bs. And you used the word right there, optimism. Because this is the first time you can feel that optimism, honestly, probably since the Lovey, like Smith hire. And that quickly fell apart. And before that, it was probably the Ron Zwick 07 Rose Bowl appearance. And coincidentally, that was the last time Illinois had more than seven wins. Maybe that's a good goal for them going forward. So I agree. We got a B. Indiana, they're 2-10, and 0-9 in conference. I'll give mine quick on this one. It's got to be an F, right? It was about as poorly as this season could have gone. I mean, going into the year, the football world had kind of unprecedented expectations for this program. And to say they fell short is a wild understatement. It's swimming across a pool and saying you're trying to swim the Europe. It was so bad, historically bad. It just got to be an F. Yep, I have an F as well. Completely underperformed all the expectations from last year. And any momentum that Tom Allen been from last year, I feel like it's completely gone at this point. Uh, so a big fat F. If I could give lower than an F, it would be this. Yeah, you guys nailed it. Those were those are my points too. But also an area where they completely failed was getting valuable reps for Donovan McCauley. You know, there was a chance when your season was lost, you could have gave him a lot of playing time and you didn't. So big time F for me as well. Then we'll go to Casey's Iowa Hawkeyes. They went 10 and 4, 7 and 2 in conference. Hayden, great in reason. Uh, you know, Iowa has these 
this 10, 10 win year every few years or so. And this, this happened to be the year for Kirk Ferentz and the Hawkeyes. But while I think it's a, a good year, that's what I'll say, a good year, I, I think there was a little bit more that maybe they could have given. Maybe that's unfair because their offense was so bad. I'm giving them a B. The reason why I'm giving them a B is because of the ending of the year. If they would have won one of those two games, either one, obviously if they won the Big Ten Championship game, it's an A. But I think even if they would have beaten Kentucky, I would have also given them an A, maybe an A minus, something along those lines. But the way that they lost to Michigan was horrible. And then coming out and playing a decent Kentucky team close, but not finishing the game when they had they had a chance. They had the lead with, like, with a couple minutes to go. Uh, really sting. So I give them a solid B. Like I said, it would have been an A if they could have pulled one of those off. I'm going to actually go with a B-plus here. The Kentucky game, not actually a big reason because they frustrated me. What, three turnovers to one, 38 minutes, 22, to, or like Kentucky on time of possession. It was very out of character. But, I mean, this was a team that was the inverse of the 21 Nebraska football team. Wildly underwhelming offense, but won just about every single close game. But going to Indianapolis has to mean something, especially when you also consider the success that they had in recruiting, highest recruit ever recently. So I'm going to say Iowa, regardless of how it looked, they got it done. i got to give them a B plus. Yeah, you guys are a little harsh on my Hawkeyes, and maybe I'm a little biased, but I've, I've got to give them an A. And we saw later on in the year how pathetic this offense is, and the, the fact that they won 10 games and made it to the Big Ten Championship with that offense is absolutely outstanding. That was a great coaching job to get that far. And not only that, they had a pretty difficult schedule up in the front. So at the beginning of their season, and obviously I know Indiana fell off, but you know, I, I, I think I got to give Iowa an A. I, I do have a question. Don't, don't you think, and this is a question for Casey mostly, I guess, just because he gave the first day. I guess this is my opinion. I don't know how to, how to ask this. Do you think that to get an A, you have to either win a, championship either a big 10 championship or obviously a national championship or improve drastically from the year before like i i forget i don't know what iowa, iowa wasn't horrible last year were they no iowa was the hottest team in the big 10 at the end of the year they won six straight games and that's why i was so high on them this year so what earns you an a is one you win 10 games and then two when you outperform your talent that you have on your roster drastically and i think that's what that's what Iowa did this year, so they get they received an A for me. I don't have too many out there this for this season, though. We'll go to the next game, and I think this is kind of similar to your grading scale, Casey. Maryland seven and six, three and six in conference. I gave them a B. It felt like a really weird year for Maryland. I mean, they started four and zero, then they go one and six in that middle part of the schedule before finishing two and zero, and they were two very important bowl wins or victories. One to get them to the bowl game, and one to get them the win in the bowl game. And then getting Demas back next year is massive. I, I think Loxley has this group moving in a very good direction. So I have a B. Yeah, coming into the year, I had a lot higher expectations. Like I mentioned on the last episode with Maryland, you know, I thought they would compete better with Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State this year, even Michigan State, and, and they didn't. So had they not won their bowl game the way they did, I was going to go with like a C just because of my expectations for them. But because of the bowl game and, and absolutely destroying Virginia Tech, I'll go with a B minus. Yep, I'm right with you guys. I also have a B for Maryland. I, I think Maryland should be cautiously optimistic about where this program is headed. I think I think they have some good 
footing somewhere. You know what I'm saying? They absolutely do. They, I mean, they're trending upwards right now. We just got to hope that they can stay healthy and at least compete with the big dogs a little bit more in the future. One of those big dogs had the most successful year in the Big Ten, Michigan, 12-2 and two overall, 8-1 and one in conference. Hayden, we'll go to you first. What is your grade for the Wolverines and why? Well, yeah, I think this is the easiest answer that I've had all day. And unfortunately, I don't like it, but I got to give credit where credit is due. I, I give Michigan an A. You know, going into this year, there was questions. I mean, real questions about where this program was and where they were heading. And if I remember correctly, the Vegas line for wins for them was like seven and a half, which is crazy low. Uh, obviously, looking back now, I mean, who knew who knew they were going to go to the playoffs, but beating Ohio State for the first time in a decade, going to the college football playoff, regardless of what it looked like, I don't care, is a successful season, being Big Ten champs, easy A, easiest grade I'll give today. I'll save Casey for last. We'll go get his final grade on Michigan here in a second. See, I'm not as high. I've got an A-, minus, and let me explain myself for it. It's just the end of the season. I'm worried about if that does anything to the momentum of the program now. I mean, you're already hearing rumors about Jim Harbaugh entertaining the idea of going NFL. And if that's the case, it's like, hey, what was this all for if this is going to change up here a little bit? So I had them at an A-. minus. It's an outstanding, it was a magical season. Again, the end just makes it a little bit soured for me about the future. That's why the grade ended up here. Very harsh critic. Hey, hey I for the record, I gave out three A's. This is one of them. So it wasn't like I'm I'm trying to knock them. I thought it was an outstanding year, magical year. But I, I think that you get that knocked down to an A- minus simply because of how overwhelmed they seem to be in that semifinal game. I gave Michigan an A as well. For a team that really, in my opinion, outperformed uh, their their talent, I, I don't think there's any question that you could give this team an A. You know, they beat Ohio State for the first time in 10 years. Big Ten champs made it to the playoff. All, you know, all that good stuff. They did get, show, like, showed up in the playoff. But overall, I mean, they exceeded expectations probably more than any Big Ten team did. A lot of people had this team as a 6-6, six and 7-6, six, and six, or 8 and or seven and five, eight and four team, and they won twelve games, and you know, obviously had the major upset of Ohio State. So I don't think you can give this team anything other other than an A, or I guess I'll give you an A minus, like you gave him Wally. That's what I think is the most impressive thing about this team is, and I was telling Wally this, Casey, while while you had to reboot, there was legitimate questions about this team if they were going to be bowl eligible before the season started. I I, I think and and. And I said this earlier, I think the the total was set at seven and a half for wins this year, which looking back now is, is laughable, obviously. But if somebody were betting the under on that, going six and six or even five and seven is not totally out of the question. So it, that, that was the most impressive thing to me. We had, if you remember on that preview show, we were actually like almost in like a heated debate on whether or not it was going to be over or under. And it was... It's kind of inconceivable to see how far they did come this year. So maybe I am being a little harsh on the, the minus, but regardless, it was a magical season for Michigan. Yeah, and I and I will take total heat for that. I, I was adamant that I thought they were going to hit the under. <laughs> and looking back, that was absolutely crazy. So good for me on that one. You win some, you lose some. 
Hey, you were also like the first one on the Michigan's going to beat Ohio State train. So you get fairness there too. So you drilled that as much you might have missed preseason. So Michigan State now, they went 11-2, and 7-2 and in conference. Casey, let's swing it back. Quick little boomerang to you. Got to imagine a high grade for the Spartans here as well. Yeah, I mean, just echo what I said about Michigan and Iowa, a team that really outperformed their talent, found a superstar in Kenneth Walker and really relied on him in most of the big games, I guess. The one that they didn't, they got blown out. But really, really solid year for Michigan State. This is this is my other A, or, or another A for uh, the Big Ten teams this season. Really a great year, and hopefully they can build off of that momentum. Actually, hopefully not. I'm not really a big fan of Michigan State being that good, so... I low-key like Mel Tucker, and I kind of like them being being okay. This was another A for me, strictly, and I and I told Casey that I only give A's for huge improvements and championships, but this this was the huge improvement. I mean, nobody knew what Michigan State was going to be this year at all. Mel Tucker really, really hit the transfer portal hard, and that paid big dividends. It'll it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what they look like next year. I know they have some guys coming back, and they're also losing some a couple key guys, so. It'll be interesting to see if, if Mel Tucker can replace those guys. I mean, if you can give an A+, plus, this would be it. But I'm giving an A. I mean, Michigan State, you want to talk about a turnaround and worried about being bowl eligible. This is a team that played and won a New Year's Six Bowl. And after what they were the last few years, it's an incredible turnaround. I mean, one of the better ones I can remember. I mean, they've been the running joke in the Big Ten East for the past few years. We'll see if the transfer portal success continues to treat Mel Tucker this well. But coming off the massive extension, this is outstanding news for the Spartans. It's got to be an A. Minnesota, they're 9-4, and 6-3 and three in conference. You got to be rowing the boat. I'm going to go first on this one. B+. Plus. If you ain't a MAC team, you got to look the hell out when the Gophers are coming to town. I mean, this team right now, I mean, they are out Wisconsin and Wisconsin this year. And they played a really impressive physical brand of football all year long. Very positive signs in Minneapolis. And I actually think that, oh, no, it's Purdue. I'll save that stat for later. But again, B-plus for Minnesota. Great year. I am giving Minnesota a solid B. And the reason it's not a B-plus or I I, I couldn't go A, but the reason it's not a B-plus is because of that Bowling Green game. That game stuck with me regardless of the positive things that Minnesota did this to. You can't lose at home to a Mac school, especially – Especially Bowling Green. Come on. Come on, PJ. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Hayden. I was right in between that A minus B plus range, but that loss to Bowling Green just absolutely, you know, you know, dropped it down to a B plus. They had so many injuries. They lost their best player in the first game and to and, and then lost his backup a few games later. So to recover the way they did and end up with nine wins was absolutely outstanding in my eyes. Nebraska went three and nine this year, one and eight in conference. A little bit of a deceptive record here. Much better, we at least feel like here than their record shows. They were, like I said earlier, they were kind of the opposite of Iowa. They just seemed to lose every close game. I actually think it finished this year, didn't it, with all nine of their losses being by nine or fewer points. So I actually had Nebraska as a D here, even though you you would think it might be lower. I think you saw enough on the field to hope that things are progressing enough. And Scott Frost is coming back. They're going to have a new quarterback there. Hopefully, who knows if it's Logan Smothers or transfer. But we got to imagine that Nebraska at least gets the bull eligibility next year. So again, it was a bad year. It's a D grade. 
but I wouldn't go as far to give it anything lower than that. When comparing the two, there were two teams that I thought were might have been F-deserving, and one of them was Nebraska. But when I compared them to the other team, Indiana, Nebraska is is far and away. Their, their season was more successful, although their record doesn't really show it. Their performance on the field was so much better than Indiana's. So I, I'm going to go with a D as well. Uh, you know, going one and eight in conferences, especially in the West, is absolutely terrible. But from what I saw on the field and, and the results being as close as what they were, I'm going to go D instead of an F. I must be a lot harsher on Scott Frost in Nebraska because my grade is an F. I, 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 I understand that they played a lot of close games. I get it. But I also give them no credit for that. You have to be able to finish at least one, right? At least one of those games. I mean, unbelievable that they played so many games like that. They, they couldn't pull more than three off. So I, I don't give them near as much credit as you guys uh, F. Then our ninth team here, Northwestern, 3-9, and 1-8 and eight in conference. Hayden, again, quick turnaround back to you. What do you got to grade for the Wildcats? I hate going. I hate doing this back to back. F, and and that's uncharacteristic of Northwestern. They're not normally this bad. Usually, in a down year, they'll still win six or seven games. This was just uncharacteristic for Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald teams. Unfortunately, I I still got to give them an F. Casey, how about you here? What do you got to grade for the Wildcats? Yeah, I'm gonna roll a D minus. I think when you look at their their body of work, they were the second worst team in the Big Ten to Indiana, and that's why I, you know, I had Nebraska over them. But they, they just looked really, really bad basically throughout the whole year. And like Hayden said, it was uncharacteristic. Their defense was not very good at all, and usually that's what you can hang your hat on as a Northwestern Wildcat. So I have a D, I have a D minus for this team. I have a D minus two. I mean, it was a very uncharacteristic year for Pat Fitzgerald and his team, but. I mean, simply put, there wasn't talent on this team, or at least enough to expect anything. Next year, I think we're going to see more of the stereotypical Northwestern season. But if we don't, just quick question, could we potentially see Pat Fitzgerald's seat getting a little warm if they go 4-8 and eight or 5-7 and seven again next year? No. Doubt it. I think that you're probably right, but it's hopefully we don't have to even question that. We all like Pat Fitzgerald a lot here, and I don't think anybody in the world has anything against Northwestern. He he essentially has a lifetime contract, right? Unless things completely go off the rails, he I, I don't see any way he can get fired. It would take falling off the rails. I I just wanted to mention like scandal. That. Yeah, yeah. He he will be falling in my coaching rankings when we do those in the off season. So he's not going to be as high as what he as what he was last year for me. I know I had him pretty high, but yeah, this season will bump him down a little bit. Yeah, I think you and I both had him as our number one head coach in the Big Ten, Casey. And I think Hayden's was Ryan Day, which is a good way to go into Ohio State. 11-2, and 8-1 in conference. Casey, this is your turn now to go first. Kind of a tricky team to grade here. What did you end up with? Yeah, very tricky team to grade here. You could look at it. The three perspectives that you could look at it that I was kind of thinking in my head earlier. One, you could think of it as 95% of the college football world would be absolutely satisfied with 11 wins and a Rose and a new year six bowl win. You could look at it from the unrealistic Ohio state fan perspective, thinking that they should be winning national titles every year, like Alabama, or you can look at it through a coach's perspective where you see the teams that could put up 
numbers offensively that and could out physical you that you really struggled with going two and two in my opinion in the four most physical games that they played all year. So really, I kind of fall right in the middle. So I'm gonna go with a B. Just because I have higher expectations for Ohio State, I think they should compete for national championships. I didn't expect them to lose to Michigan this year. And for that, that's why they're not in the A, A minus range that, you know, typically any other team that goes 11 and 2 and wins the Rose Bowl uh, would be. Hey, and I'll save you for last year. I also had a B here, Casey. I know it's weird to kind of give a grade like that to a team that won a Rose Bowl. But we have to take into account the talent at Ohio State, the expectations at Ohio State, and the defense is a mess right now. No, like denying that. First loss to Michigan in nine years has to bring the score down. So, like Iowa getting bumped up for getting to the Big Ten championship game for me, Ohio State not reaching their expectations. It's got to be a B. I am going to give. I, I've I've been deciding here, and I know I wrote C plus on the list. I'm gonna actually bump that down. I'm gonna give them a straight C. And, and that might seem crazy, but a loss to Michigan lumped in with what Ohio State's goals should be year in and year out. This team, they had a good year. They had an average year for what Ohio State should be. They had average. They weren't good. They weren't great. They weren't bad by any means. I mean, they won 11 games. They had an average year. And unfortunately, an average year is a loss to Michigan in a Rose Bowl win. So... The gold for this team should be playoffs every single year, in my opinion. With with the way they recruit, the conference that they play in, they should go to the playoffs in a average Ohio State year with the way that they compare with the rest of the conference. There's not a team in the conference that's as talented as them or even close. So when they don't, it's disappointing. And that's why they don't, you know, a B and an A is a good grade. And, and that's not what Ohio State was this year in comparison to what they should be. Yeah, see, the, the only part that I really – like kind of disagree with you. I I don't necessarily think that it's to to make the playoff because the the first team that rings in my mind is the 2018 Ohio State team. So your goal should be to win the Big Ten. And typically, I guess when you win the Big Ten, you make it to the playoff. But like 2018, for example, I don't think Ohio State really belonged in the playoff, and they still won the Big Ten. They still went 12 and one, and that was I would say that was a successful year. And that's kind of what I was getting at with the expectations for Ohio State. So there are different, you know, there's the unrealistic fans that think Ohio State should be winning national titles every year. That is not the case. That should not be the expectations. But I can't really argue with you if you say their expectations is to make it to the playoff because in my eyes, it's to win the Big Ten. And usually if you win the Big Ten, you make it to the playoff. This year, hands down, no questions about it, should have been a playoff semifinal loss instead of a Rose Bowl win. And that's the way I look at it. On top of that, you're adding the Michigan loss. If they didn't have the Michigan loss, okay, yes, B. I would say B still. But coupled with the Michigan loss, I think it brings you down to a C. I think that might be fair. I mean, I think the thing that hurts the most as a Buckeye fan is that we know, like everybody in the country, is that this was as close the top has been to the middle of the pack in college football in a long time. And Ohio State felt like they had a real opportunity to have a chance to win a national championship this year. And not beating Michigan and looking as I, I don't want to. I, what's the word for the opposite of physical all year? It was very. I, I don't soft. Soft. Yeah. There you go. There. I mean, it's it's weird. The only thing positive that you can look at it though from the expectations is this is the only program now because everybody seems to forget that year that Alabama and Michigan played in the, I think Capital One Bowl 
It's the only team that's been in a New Year's Six Bowl every year since college football playoff. That's at least an achievement. And Ohio State has not lost one of those New Year's Six Bowls that aren't playoff related. I, I don't know. That's just me trying to find the, the glimmers of happiness here. We won't have too many of them here to find in this next team, Penn State. You heard us at the top of the show talk about it at the bowl game. Seven and six, four and five in conference. I mean, woof. I don't know who wants to take this one first. I'll go first. This was, um, I think, the most disappointing team, in in my opinion, for the Big Ten season. I've said on record before, I think this is the second most talented team in the Big Ten. I still kind of feel that way. Maybe, you know, you might be able to slide Michigan up at the two now after what we saw this year. But, man, to lose six games, to lose some really close games where you had a shot of of winning and then just the disaster of a bowl game that you, you performance that you put out. I, I've got to go with a D, right, pretty darn close to a D minus, to be honest with you, for Penn State. I think I actually went a little high on this one. I wrote it down C minus initially. You've kind of talked me into wanting to go D plus here. I mean, we overvalued this team all year long. Uh, it's not entirely our fault. When you look at the first two months, they start five and zero, look like an outstanding team. We they beat a Wisconsin team that really didn't know who they were yet, but we hold Wisconsin to such a high esteem that I felt like that was a really impressive win on the road. And then beating Auburn, we had high expectations, like playoff expectations for this team. To win six of the eight down the stretch, I mean, the only glimmer of hope you can have for this team going forward is that Sean Clifford and James Franklin are back, and I'll let you guys decide at home if that's a good thing or not. Yeah, I'm rolling with the D for Penn State. They wasted a pretty good defense with a horrible, horrible offense, and James Franklin does what he does in big games, and that's losing. So congrats, Penn State fans. At least we get to talk a little bit happier now. Purdue, 9-4, and 6-3 and three in conference. Massive year. Uh, Casey, we'll go to you first on this. The Boilermakers, I mean, this was only, God, I have it written down. It's only the 12th time in 134 years this team has nine wins. Got to imagine a pretty good grade coming. Yeah, I'm going to go with an A-, minus, and I think it would have been an A, but that how how poorly that defense played against Ohio State was just, you know, just kind of the game that sticks out to me for Purdue this season. Carl Loftus, I felt like, absolutely disappeared that game. So, um, you know, nine wins is a fantastic overachieving Purdue team, I, I would say. But uh, very impressed by Aiden O'Connell. He's, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the Big Ten. So, yeah, I, I would say A- minus for sure for Purdue this year. I also have an A. It's going to be interesting to see if they can replace their two best players next year. I know David Bell and Carl Loftus are, are monsters, and they change games completely for opposing teams. So it'll be interesting to see if Purdue can keep that momentum going. I think the bull win against Tennessee, in my mind, was a big one. Just because it's always that Big Ten, SEC kind of back-and-forth rivalry almost. And and for a Big Ten team to be on top of that, even though it was kind of skeptical, Tennessee might have perhaps scored a touchdown. I don't think so. (laughs) I, I, I I think that's always good for the Big Ten. I actually am with you guys. I have an A minus here too. On top of that stat of what 12th time in 134 years they have nine wins. This is the first time since 1943, World War II, that this team had five wins away from home. And especially to finish it off like that in SEC country, call it a neutral site game, but it was a road game. Awesome. And yeah, he definitely didn't get in quiet on that, Hayden. Uh, Aiden O'Connell is coming back though. 
So the doctor is thrilled there in Purdue. Just what the doctor ordered with that. Jeff Brom, he'll be back too. A minus for Purdue. And very, very encouraging things there. Rutgers 5 and 8, 2 and 7 in conference. I'll go first here. I have them at a C. Similar to Maryland, they had a great start to this season, but unlike Maryland, they didn't have the ending they'd like. They lost to Maryland to get the bowl eligibility, and then even when their academic scores got them into the bowl, I guess they cut their short break. you got to give them credit for that, but it was an ugly, ugly loss. I think C is the only thing you can give them here and just hope that Shiano's program continues to progress and at least look competitive in the big games. I'm with you, Wally. I also have a C. I think Shiano is making a little bit of progress, but it, it might take a couple years to see some some real gains. Yeah, I'm going to go see as well. And had we uh, done these grades, even after the Michigan loss, I think I might have had them at a BB plus, but they really fell off after that game. I'm going to I'm gonna roll with a C as well. I But I, I do agree with you guys. I do think Shiano is making progress with the Rutgers. And then our final team here, Wisconsin, 9-4, Six and three in conference. Hayden, we'll start with you this time. Badger started off really slow. Kind of finished down the gate pretty hot outside that Minnesota loss. What did you give them here? This might be harsh, and and I don't know. I, I just think Wisconsin should be representing the Big Ten West in the Big Ten championship game every single year. And when they don't, it's a little disappointing. And yeah, they still won nine games, which is pretty good. I gave them a C plus, and that might, like I said, that might be a little harsh, but I expect more out of Wisconsin than what we got. Now, with the way that the season started for them, we thought, oh, God, this might be a disaster year for Wisconsin, but they really turned it up after that, which is good. And I think they found themselves a really good running back, so Wisconsin might be a team to watch for next year. You know, I know I'm really high on Paul Chris as a coach, but I got to give this team a B. I know they started off the year really, really bad. This team reminded me of the 2007 Michigan team where they had high expectations, lost the first two games, reeled off eight in a row, and then lose to their rival. And that's what Wisconsin did. They, you know, they had an eight-game win streak or seven-game win streak and then lost to Minnesota to go to the Big Ten Championship. But I think it was an outstanding coaching job by Paul Chris to be able to turn his team around and keep them focused, locked in, engaged. When you start off the season one and three, you your realistic expectations have to you know come down drastically, and for them to finish out with nine wins was absolutely outstanding in my eyes. So I I'm rolling with Wisconsin getting a B for the season. I might be a little harsh like Hayden, but I'm going with C plus as well. I just think you have to look at the entire body of work, and regardless of how they did turn it around, that start did derail the season. And they had no room to to maneuver once they got to October. They knew they had to win out to get to Indianapolis. And regrettably for them, they lose the little brown jug for only the second time in, what, almost 20 years, all the way back to 2003. I just have a difficult time. It's almost like the Ohio State grade here where you expect them to be in Indianapolis at points. And when they aren't there, it's hard to, I guess, call it a successful year. They do have Braylon Allen that looks outstanding. And this is a team to look for. In the future, I just think that this year, it's hard to give it anything better than a C-plus for me. I just wanted to touch on the Big Ten as a whole, and as we wrap up with with Wisconsin, it kind of relates to them. Although we don't have a, a national champion or anything, this was an outstanding year for the Big Ten. We had seven teams finish with nine wins or more. 
throughout the whole conference. And the next closest Division One conference that had success like that was the SEC, and they only had five. So overall, we had a, a really outstanding year, I, I guess, from the middle pack to, to the top of the Big Ten conference this year. Well, you almost got to think, too, that this is a great way for the Big Ten to eventually, if they're trying to ever get to the SEC, which they're never going to, but if they ever want that, you got to build through depth. It's not just Ohio State carrying the water for the Big Ten and everybody look away when the other bowl games are going on. This is a really encouraging season as a whole, even if it doesn't feel that way for Hayden and I's Buckeye fans. We want to remind you guys that Pigskins and Nylon is brought to you by Tabbies.com the best Delta 8 THC edible on the market. It's sugar-free, keto-friendly, gluten-free, heat-resistant, made of 100% pharmaceutical-grade ingredients with consistent dosing for the perfect edible experience. But hey, if you're not into Delta 8 THC, that's not a problem. Tabby's offers an option with no THC while using the same proprietary drug delivery system to ensure that guaranteed dosage of CBD. Right now, Tabbies.com offers three flavors, galactic fruit, watermelon, and mint. Mint is my personal go-to, and it's perfect anytime you are feeling anxiety and stress running your life. As some of you may know, I've been battling depression and anxiety for a long time. Products like this really help me when I'm feeling overwhelmed. It's not a quick fix, but it really has helped me, and I'd recommend them to anybody, even if they weren't our sponsor. So please make sure you do follow them on Instagram and Facebook, at Tabby's Co. That's Tabby's Co. spelled T-A-B-E-A-S-E-C-O to be the first to know when they drop. You can get any of these products at tabbies.com and with the promo code BIG10, you can get 20% off your entire order and free shipping. Sweet, but let's now, let's throw it over to Hayden. We're going to go on to a little bit of basketball, and you guys are going to see as we go on week to week now, we're going to focus much more on the basketball season, especially as we're getting into conference play pretty much strictly here. So why don't you fill us in on what happened here since the new year got going? Yeah, I will go through this very, very quickly. Rutgers beat the piss out of Central Connecticut. Ohio State won a game at Lincoln, which I don't know how they won because they didn't play very well. Michigan State had a second-half comeback to beat Northwestern. Penn State actually beat Indiana, which is a pretty interesting win for uh, Penn State because Indiana is actually kind of good. The Badgers beat Purdue on the road. Johnny Davis went off like he has been all year. He's been carrying the Badgers. He had 37-14. and 14. Iowa won their fourth straight against Maryland. Rutgers beat a Michigan team that was down a couple of players. So, I, I mean, take that into consideration with that. Illinois makes Minnesota look like preseason Minnesota in a 23-point road win. <laughs> they, they look like the Minnesota that we thought they would be. Michigan State beat Nebraska 79-67. And Penn State, back-to-back wins, they beat Northwestern on the road. Thank you for that, Hayden. And right now, actually, as we're recording, so this is Thursday evening. So as we sit, we have the 7 o'clock games actually coming out of half right now. So we'll get more into that. We'll talk about that next week a bit more. But Casey, from, I guess, everything here the last few weeks, we haven't talked a lot about basketball. I know you're a big Wolverines hoops guy. They're struggling a little bit here, still trying to get their feet under the, underneath them. What do you think has to change? Is it Are you seeing the changes at least to give you hope for March? Or where, where are you at right now? Yeah, you know, I've been saying this for weeks now, and you guys have just been 
kind of brushing me off, but I I, I don't I, – this Michigan team has bigger issues than just chemistry, which is also one of them. They're, they're not as athletic as what – athletic or long is what they typically are, and so they're they're less – they're less dominant of a defensive team, I would say. And then to to pair that with a less overall talented offense, they just don't look very good, to be honest with you. And I, I don't really see it getting much better until, quite honestly, Devontae Jones gets out of that point guard position. But, you know, other than that, I, I don't really have too much of a take on any of these basketball games. And Hayden can't stop busting up laughing in the camera, so it's kind of hard to focus. So I'll let him go ahead and, and talk about whatever it is. So, like Wally said, Ohio State's playing right now against Indiana. And Joey Brunk, who's does not play very much, he's a big guy, just got an offensive rebound and was battling with, with Trace Jackson of Indiana. And the ball like was going out of bounds, and the Indiana guy saved it, and literally two hands spiked it off Joey Brunk's head <laughs> to save the ball. It was really funny watching it live on TV. Sorry, Joey Brunk. It's not looking great at this point, but a lot of basketball left to be played. A couple notes I have before we can go on to the games upcoming this next week is that you think of the basketball, or at least the Big Ten basketball conference, as a very physical conference. And it surprised me to see you have the top three leading scorers in the country, Keegan Murray, Kofi Coburn, and Johnny Davis. That's, uh, who knows if it's sustainable, but it's at least right now, it's a pretty cool little stat for the Big Ten to say you have the top three leading NCAA scorers in the entire country right now. But then the other two things, Minnesota and Michigan State both only have two losses. And if you look at who those two losses came from, it's also impressive. You have Michigan State losing to the defending champs in Baylor and Kansas and Minnesota losing to Michigan State and Illinois. So both of those teams continue to, I guess, overachieve, and we didn't expect that going into the year. So hopefully we can see that continue. Aiden, will you throw us over now and tell us what we're looking at here for the next week of games that we'll be talking about? Yeah, this this next week's slate of games has a couple interesting. We're, we're off tomorrow. Tomorrow, for those of you who don't know, is Friday. And on Saturday, we have Purdue at Penn State, which... Never know about that one. Penn State always kind of plays teams tough at home. Nebraska goes to Rutgers. And then Michigan State at Michigan. That could be a good game depending on if Michigan can figure some things out. On Sunday, Northwestern comes to Ohio State. Minnesota is at Indiana. Wisconsin is at Maryland. We're off on Monday. Tuesday, we have Rutgers at Penn State. Illinois at Nebraska. Purdue at Michigan. Couple tough games back-to-back coming up and lastly on Wednesday Minnesota plays at Michigan State and Maryland plays at Northwestern it would be really weird to see I I think Michigan what they could fall to seven and eight if they lose both of these games so it feels very important to at least split here and both of these games are at home so they have I mean they have the guys there we know they have the dudes they just have to put together maybe with that being such a big couple matchups maybe they get it going here yeah, they, they better hope that they can split that because they're, I mean, it's not quite time to start looking at resumes, but when you have a two-game stretch facing against, like, literally the top two teams in the Big Ten, you need to get one. If you at least get one, it might ease a little bit of concern, but obviously those two games are something that I'm looking forward to. And then the Minnesota-Michigan State game that Wednesday I think could be really interesting. Minnesota obviously you know, beat Michigan at Chrysler Center, so see if they can pull off an upset as well. 
you obviously don't want to panic if you are Michigan here, but I can see at least where your concern is if they do fall these two, they'd be under 500 after 15 games. That all of a sudden it's a big enough number. I can understand the concern, but I just find it really curious that we went into this year with Michigan, Purdue, and Illinois as kind of our three front runners, and they kind of were the I guess agreed upon front runners by everybody in the country. And we knew that Michigan started slow. Illinois did too, but what has happened is Purdue, they're actually struggling now at the start of conference play, and Illinois is hitting on all cylinders. So now Michigan and Purdue both one and two in conference. You would imagine Illinois is licking their chops right now because it feels like they have everything falling in place for them to win a regular season title. Yeah, Illinois is scary. I don't know, and I should be more informed on this, is Andre Curbelo back for Illinois? Is he still nursing his injury? Because if he's not, that's really scary. I don't know if he's back yet, but he was, he's scheduled to come back if he isn't, right? Yeah, Hayden, you caught me. I, I have no clue. The latest news from, what's his name, Matt Underwood, is that he is progressing. So whatever that means, I don't know. But once he gets back, he is, he is very valuable to their team, in my opinion. And that's scary as hell, too. If he is not back and they're already performing at this level, it's still amazing to me they're not ranked. I understand they started the year a little off, but that's still a mind-boggling thing to me. They have to get ranked here soon. But do either of you guys have anything else you'd like to bring up on basketball today before we send everybody on their way? Basketball officials suck. It's actually been a problem for years that's been really, really bad. Like, they, they actually ruin the pace of some games, and it's it makes it really, really hard to watch. That's one of my pet peeves. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm good. The only, the only thing that I am thinking of right now as I'm looking at the conference standing so far is that Michigan is literally the second worst team in the conference, and I'm just kind of mind-boggled by that right now. Had a lot higher expectations, but good Lord, I didn't know it was that bad. I know we're being kind of football heavy, but it's like the almost the Wisconsin start of the year right now. That massive expectations and then just very disappointing, at least early on. But that is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pigskins and Nylon, brought to you by TabEase.com, the world's best Delta 8 edible. We'll be back next week. Chat some more Big Ten basketball as conference play really starts to heat up. If you like our podcast, please share it and spread it around to your friends and family. And make sure you go and follow us on Twitter at P&NPod, Facebook at P&NPod, and Instagram also at P&NPod. What do you guys want to leave our listeners with today? I guess I wanted to mention, we, ha- we have it here on, on the rundown, you know, the two, the, t- the two teams that we gave the highest grade to, Michigan and Michigan State, are losing some really key pieces with some people declaring for the NFL draft. Michigan State, Jalen Naylor, who was a, a big-time Playmaker, stretch the field vertically for them, declaring for the draft. And then uh, Michigan is losing Aiden Hutchinson, which was expected even at the beginning of the year. David Ajabo declared for the draft. And Daxon Hill also, uh, right before we got on to the got on to record the show, declared for the draft as well. So Big Ten teams that had big years this this year have to, you know, replace some big time names. So we'll see how that goes, I suppose. Hey Casey, did I, I saw something and I didn't couldn't believe it. Did Chris Hinton declare for the draft too? It's very well that he could have because he was getting really nice draft grades preseason. And he didn't play bad, but he was definitely not somebody that I felt stood out on the Michigan defense. So it wouldn't surprise me, but I, I didn't see it, to be honest with you. 
Have any other final thoughts for us here, Hayden? I am all good. My only thing is that I'm going to be a nervous wreck on Monday, or Sunday, excuse me, for the Raiders-Chargers basically play-in game. I don't expect a lot positive because I've seen this song and dance before in this matchup in the final week of the year, but hopefully the Raiders can get it done, make it a little happier for next week's podcast. But that's it for us, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week for episode 50 of Pigskins and Nylon.